Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. TLT is getting closer with final trial teams giving us some indication of how hopelessly naive we were thinking our favourite cheapie was a lock for the 17. Maybe that's just me. Just the two of us on deck this week, which means I'm joined by a man who, if we put it to a public vote, might actually be the guru of Supercoach. Take that, Tommy Sangster. It's Wilf. Yeah, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> that that seems far too generous to me. You think? I uh, uh, may, maybe if you asked us a couple of years ago, but no, my my last two seasons are very very damaging to my credibility as a so called super coach expert. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, I mean, you know that what do they say? Those who can't do teach. So here we are to teach uh, all of our listeners about the uh, how to win super coach this year, mate. So obviously not too far away. Final uh, TLT final trials coming up this week. We did get a bit of an indication with some of the runouts that happened over the weekend, mate. So we're going to go into a couple of different observations um, of what we might have seen from the trials. And yeah, some interesting couple of couple of key injuries which might affect our teams as well. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the biggest injury that we've obviously talked about um, or, or I'm sure everyone's seen is the one to Hayes Dunster. Unfortunately, that was pretty brutal. I genuinely feel this one was an accident and maybe bad tackle technique, but the hip drop is the kind of thing that they're they're coached as a technique, and and you know we used to have the same issue with the chicken wing style tackles, um, or even the crusher tackles, which often um, you know or, or we are seeing less and less. So it really needs to be eradicated in terms of how they're coached to tackle. But yeah, I tend to agree. Unlike the Pappenhausen one, which had a bit of intent last year with Phil Mariner, that that it was more accidental or, or careless rather than reckless. But we'll, we do have a little bit of housekeeping. We've got the uh, the group code to tell everyone about, and also spruik that we've got some prizes that are better than ever. Yeah, absolutely. So again, group competition. The code group code again, not a league code. Group code eight nine nine three nine two. So make sure you jump in. We definitely have had a bit of a step up in the prizes this year, thanks to the generosity of a fair few uh, people. But first and foremost, to our new sponsor, TylerMade. Really cool that they're you know really getting behind Supercoach and and you know putting this prize up as well. But uh, five hundred bucks for the top ranked Supercoach in our group comp, which is uh, fantastic. And then what we're doing uh, through our Patreon, so we're going to match that for our highest ranked champs. Um, subscriber so if you are one of our patrons and you are also the top ranked super coach in our group comp you'll not only take home the 500 bucks from tyler made you'll double that so you take home a total of 1000 so not a bad constellation prize especially if you don't win overall or you come top 10 or whatever you still might be able to take away 100 bucks uh, sorry a thousand bucks there so not bad at all and we've also got a 200 gift voucher to spend at nrlshop.com uh, for the runner-up in our group comp as well. So that'll probably get you a, a jersey and a little bit of spare change afterwards for, I don't know, maybe a scarf or something. Well, yeah, the 200 bucks definitely will help you out there or, uh, you know, a few dozen uh, Anthony Milford jerseys or something that's going cheap. So, yeah, look, um, but let's get uh, cracking. Mate, we're not going to pretend that we uh, – 
we watch every single minute of every trial. You'd have to be a particular kind of uh, sadist to, to sit through all of it. But a few notable things that, that we can touch on as we go along. And I guess I'll throw to you, um, it, you know, what really stood out uh, to you for, for the trials? So, uh, look, I'll be upfront. The trial I watched closest was no surprise, the one involving the Broncos. And really, I was just focusing on the first half where they had most of their first graders out there. And, you know, they drew 26 all, but the Titans, like, at halftime were leading the Broncos. So, you know, it's still a work in progress. But for Supercoach, you know, the, the exciting part was really that that right side combination, Katoni Staggs and Selwyn Cobo. Um, and as for those who follow me on Twitter, you could see how excited I got uh, at that new combo. You know, I, I was looking for names, and I think I've settled on the, the Selwags. Selwags, my God. Quick shout-out to Adrianosaurus, uh, who suggested the, the Selwags. Uh, he's got his own podcast. You can find him on Twitter at SCAdrianosaurus. That's at S-C-A-D-R-I-A-N-A-S-A-U-R-U-S, Supercoach by Adrianosaurus. Go check it out. Instead of Leipana, you know, that's the new deadliest right edge in the game for attack anyway. We know we know that they've definitely got issues with defense, but they can certainly score. And I reckon Katoni and Selwyn or the Selwags, one on one or two on two against any other center pairing, um, I think they're, they're going to be a pretty good shot of scoring the try. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing that develop. Uh, aside from that, there wasn't too much else that was really eye catching. I mean, my boy Kobe Hetherington, I love him and he's so good. I just hope he gets that starting lock spot, but I'd stay away still for Supercoach. We saw, you know, why he was so good, but it's just not SC relevant, unfortunately. And Corey Pax um, just continues to get better and better, and I, I just, I'd love for him to start, honestly, as a Broncos fan, but also for Supercoach, obviously, being, um, you know, 205,000, halfback hooker, dual position, I'd be very keen if he was starting, obviously. Yeah, and uh, there's a saying anyone who follows the NFL would know this, that if your team has two quarterbacks, they really have no quarterbacks. Um, the Broncos are auditioning four five eights. Do they have a five eight? Uh, is it a stay away for Supercoach? Yeah, look, it's it's kind of a tough one, isn't it? I think what we saw from this is that actually the likes of Tyson Gamble and Albert Kelly, they actually played themselves out, I reckon, of being the starting five eight. They... They just didn't play very well. And if anything, you know, Billy Walters stood up and I won't say he absolutely brained it, but he was probably the best of them. I think Ezra Mam came in, you know, in the second half and did some exciting stuff yet again, scoring super coach points everywhere. But he just, I think he's too raw. And I do think the Broncos want to give him some time um, in, in reserve grade to build up, you know, that experience of playing against men and just, you know, just game experience basically. So, I lean towards seeing Billy Walters starting in the sixth jersey. I mean, I shared my thoughts last episode on, you know, are they going to do the whole rotation? I, t- I totally understand, you know, based on last year, Kevy burnt us that, um, you know, just kept constantly swapping those halves around. But I do feel like if Billy starts in the six, he's going to get a fair run and long enough that you can probably trust him to, to start with him in round one if you wanted to roll that dice there. Fair enough. And no surprises, um, you know, from my perspective, the one that I had the, the keenest eye on was the, the new-ish look Bulldogs uh, up against the Knights. And boy, oh boy, that first half was pretty dire. They named a, a pretty strong side, no Fox, no Matty Burton uh, amongst the others, but otherwise the pack, you know, looked pretty good. Um, but just ball security and and uh, even when the halves, you know, Avarillo, 
uh, Brendan Wakem, et cetera, were given uh, a little bit of space to move. They just weren't capable of kind of making the right decisions and getting the outside backs involved. Not that, you know, any of us are recommending any of the Bulldogs outside backs, but I just, even if when Matt Burton comes back into the side, I, I just can't see them scoring enough points. Um, the forwards will go okay, um, but any platform they, they lay, I just can't trust that they're going to be taken advantage of. They were down, I think it was 12 nil at half time to a, a reasonably understrength Knights side. The Knights then subbed, you know, most of their their top players out. The Bulldogs kept some of their, their better players in uh, and managed to scratch it back to, to a 16-all draw, but particularly unimpressive uh, on both sides. Um, not a lot there for the Knights uh, that we already didn't know. You know, your Chad Randall should be one of the one of the first players picked. Um, Chris. Uh, Chris Randall, Chad Randall. Uh, Chris Randall, <laughs> sorry, yeah. Uh, but but not a lot else. No Ponga goal kicking, uh, which makes him an absolute no-go at the fullback position. I do think um, we've got to probably acknowledge Max King was amazing, like seriously. Oh, yes. For, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a trial performance, but he stood out, like, Far and above, pretty much everyone, everyone else playing. You know, I dare say he may have, you know, earned himself a bench spot. What kind of minutes do you think? He's one eighty-eight thousand, so I don't think he's that many. Yeah, yeah. No, I just think you know, if he gets 20, 30 minutes at his PPM, I mean, I think he played like forty minutes and he would have scored almost sixty in base and base attack. So you know, hopefully, give him give him twenty five, thirty minutes, and he'll. He'll slow burn his way to you know hundred hundred fifty thousand for us. Yeah, okay, that's that's not a bad option. So, uh, you mentioned the Hayes Dunster in, injury. Obviously, that frees up a spot in the Eels back line. Um, any kind of value there? You think? Yeah, I mean, you know, Dunster was not that cheap in the in the first place, two hundred ninety six thousand thereabouts. Yeah, unfortunately, gone for the season. And Sean Russell, who we saw for one game last year, scored a double on debut, which is pretty cool. And, you know, he seems to be the front runner for that left wing spot. I think the other option was Naiduki, who scored a double in the second half, I think. But, yeah, I mean, Sean Russell, I think, just got named as the starting left wing for this final trial. So, yeah, I mean, he's 286,000. I think if you're keen on Dunster, you probably should be okay to look at Russell as an option. So keep close watching that. Obviously, if Naiduki gets it, he's bottom dollar. So, yeah, straight into my team if that's the case. But, even at 286,000, I think Russell's probably worth looking at. On the other side of that trial, I guess Tyrell Sloan is probably the, the talking point. Hook decided to start Cody Ramsey at one, and <laughs> that just didn't work. Uh, it's clear that Sloan's the best option there. And if, if Hook doesn't know, name Sloan for the number one jersey come round one, he's, yeah, he's going to have a ride on his hands, I think, from the Dragons fans. It was pretty enjoyable, the memes uh, that kind of flooded Twitter from St George fans saying that, you know, their their morals for the for the premiership with that uh, trial win. But, yeah, uh, it'd be interesting. And, and what do you think? Obviously, Amone is a pretty popular placeholder in uh, cheapy, whether it's centre wing or 5'8". Do you, you know, he seemed dangerous from all the different reports. I only caught a few minutes here and there, but Moses Mbai is obviously kind of lurking in the 14 or the probable 14. Yeah, look, I think Amone's job security is all right. It's, if anything, it's Jaden Sullivan that will put pressure on him. Moses Mbai seems like he's locked into that utility spot just because he's so versatile, unfortunately for him. Mm-hmm. So, like, Amone, he, his score, I think. And from what I can see, he probably scored around 50 to 60 points or thereabouts. And he had two tries in there. So I think he will be very attacking stat dependent. And, you know, the Dragons draw is a bit of a mixed bag. So 
I think like he'll be okay. Like he's a good player. I think he'll build confidence, but I'm just, yeah, I probably have my reservations. Like I wouldn't want to be starting him every week, for example. So he'd be, you know, a backup reserve. You, know, you play him when you need to. You're 17th man, depending on matchups in the early rounds for sure. Um, Panthers pump the Sharks, um, locking Isaac Targo on that left, in that left centre spot by the sounds and, and Tail and May might be firming. Yeah, I'm not, not sure about May. He didn't play this trial, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Targo, yeah, really involved and, and looked fantastic, honestly. So he seems like he's locked in. And I think he, he played left centre in this trial and I think he'll play, play left centre, which will be, you know, interesting because what are they going to do with Stephen Crichton, basically? Because a lot of people assumed he would be going back to left centre with Burton moving on. So that'll be a bit of a question mark there. In terms of like... To be honest, most of uh, the, the players in this team were reserve graders. Uh, for the Sharks, I mean, Braden Trindle looks like he's played himself not only out of a jersey, but you know he's got himself suspended for starting for the start of the season anyway, so he's no longer an option. That's probably good news for Nico Hines in terms of his goal kicking. Um, it seems like it'll be his job from round one. But is, is that a trap, mate? I mean, Trindle kicked ahead of him in the in the All Stars game. Yeah. Okay, so round one, we've got our round one team. Oh, you know, Cleary's either out or you don't want to afford him. So you look at your Kearys, your Nico Hines, you know, your next lot down. Oh, Nico's got goal kicking this week. Maybe that's a tiebreaker. You pick him and then all of a sudden Trindle's back round two and and 10 points a game get shaved off Nico. Yeah, look, uh, it could happen, but I honestly don't see Trindle being in the starting lineup like Craig Fitzgibbon was like talking up Matt Moylan like crazy. He was like gushing about how much he loved him, basically. <laughs> so I'm pretty certain it's going to be a, a Heinz Moylan, you know, six seven combo to start the season. Whether that lasts or whatever, who knows? And we obviously know that Moylan's always got that injury risk. But yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with it. I I think that's going to be what it'll start as. So with Nico, you know, he's going to kick. I think and. You know, barring a, a late change of a team, a reshuffle of the team, if Moreland's not working out or if he's injured, then maybe Trindle goes in there and that might impact uh, Nico's goal kicking. But I don't expect it outside of a forced change at this stage. Fair enough. And probably the biggest news um, that kind of out of the Rabbitohs Cowboys game is someone uh, who wasn't involved, Latrell Mitchell, getting that kind of exemption so that he's coming back in round two. A lot of people had uh, Taff as a, as a placeholder. Uh, cheapy because he had those two games guaranteed or seemingly guaranteed to make him a no-go now? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, we were in consensus generally to say he was a no-go anyway. Yeah. So I, I feel like this probably helps uh, people avoid that trap. I reckon he'll be less enticing for the people who wanted to start with him and hopefully have a playable fullback, you know, for two rounds before, you know, they run the risk of he goes back to the bench and, it doesn't make much money or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, look, the question that comes up is actually more Latrell. If he's only missing one game, I think that brings him into conversation as to, you know, a lot of people happily starting without Grant. Um, sorry, starting with Grant, even though he's suspended for round one. A lot of people looking at Munster, even though, again, missing round one. So, you know, you know Latrell's going to be back round two because it's a suspension. It's not an injury. I think, you know, is there some merit, especially if, let's say, Pappenhausen is injured or Teddy is you know, not ready to go, even though I think he will be. I think both of these guys will be ready to go for round one. But, you know, if they don't, like, do you just go, well, maybe this brings Latrell well and truly in the in the fold? 
I think it's a brave per- – it's one thing, hooker and 5'8", they are premium positions of the past. I think now it, they're very different positions. Um, if you're not running double gun fullback from round one, that's an awful lot of points. I, I would say that one of Paps or Teddy would have to be ruled out in round one for you to even consider Latrell. Because, yeah, obviously the big three, Turbo, um, Paps and Tedesco, I mean, if you don't have two of them scoring points from round one, you, I mean, you are an easy, you could be an easy 100-odd points behind the eight ball just out of the gate because you decided to sit on the trail for the week. I think the the alternate hooking options to Harry Grant and the alternate 5 eighth options to Cameron Munster just don't have that ceiling. Um, that can do so much damage to you early. Look, I mean, hey, that that's a that's a hell of a pod move if you can do it. But that only even becomes a consideration as a pod move if uh, you know if Teddy or Paps are in trouble for round one. Yeah, look, I tend to agree. I mean, I do think there's a lot of potential for Latrell to. I mean, we assume he's going to goal kick basically. So if the Rabbitohs attack, I just don't think they're going to be as good as Nick last year, but. They could still be really good. And if they're still as top five, top six offense in the NRL, that's going to be still plenty of goal kicks. And that's an automatic, you know, no 10 to 12 to 13 point boost to Latrell's average. So that'll see him, you know, nudging 100 if he's playing at the same level he was last year as well. So I definitely see that there's some appeal there. But yeah, it's going to be risky, as you say, if there's two perfectly healthy fullbacks in Pappenhausen and Tedesco that I'd be really. I'd find it really hard to ignore one of those guys to take a risk on Latrell from round two onwards because yeah. they, they don't exactly have the easiest draw out the blocks anyway. So, yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. Um, aside from that, I mean, there was a lot of reserve graders in this team as well. The only other noteworthy thing I think was uh, Jackson Paulo played left center and didn't look good basically <laughs> even against reserve graders. So I, I feel like he'll probably still be there, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on a couple of potential cheapy options like Isaiah Tass. And there's, there's another rookie that I don't know the name of. I think it starts with K, and that's uh, I'll, I'll do some more research into this, but I think he's apparently putting some pressure on um, even before this trial. So it's something maybe it's a mid-season downgrade potentially if Paulo doesn't work out basically in you know the opening rounds. But something to keep an eye out there for sure. There's a base price cheapy for South called Terrell Carlo Carlo. Is that the guy? No, I, th- I think he's a winger. Uh, there's there's another one who might not even be in the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'll have to do some more digging on that. I, I just heard the name pop up when I was doing some research, and I'm like, oh, I don't remember that name at all. So. Regardless, it sounds like a bit of a stay away. You know, based off the round one teams, don't just think because, you know, some of these players are cheap that they're necessarily sure to run in the side. Centre, centre wing uh, cheapies do seem to be the the one kind of reasonably solid, you know, there's going to be maybe two or three uh, ones that are easy to go. I don't think you have to go too high risk in the position by the sounds of things. Just my thoughts anyway. What else have we got? So we weirdly I just noticed that the venue was Leichhardt uh, between the Raiders and the Roosters. Probably the most notable thing, Jared Croker, uh, long away to return from injury. He was goal-kicking as well. He, he got through it relatively unscathed. So anyone who thought Jamal Fogarty was going to benefit from the change of scenery and get the goal-kicking, that's probably a dream that's dead. Um, I didn't get a lot out of this, uh, mate. I did catch glimpses of, of it. Not much to, to kind of report on from the Roosters uh, from a Supercoach perspective either. No, just with the team they named, there was hardly anyone relevant 
who is likely to be in first grade, I think. I mean, the, f- the only thing was why is Kev Nagama in there? Because <laughs> he, he stood out like a bit of a sore thumb in terms of, I think he probably had played more games than the rest of the team, like every other squad member combined. Yeah. So I'm just going to wait and see what teams that get named. Um, I think the only exciting thing was obviously Xavier Savage was really good again. I just thought a lot of excitement when he gets the ball and he seems to really add a spark to the attack. But to his credit, um, you know, Chan's nickel Kluk start, he also had some, you know, a bit of ball playing. Um, he's obviously worked on that aspect of his game and it was on show. So, yeah, I, I do think there's a potential that Savage takes a spot, but I'd lean towards with what we saw from Chan's. Um, he's probably still got got it at the stage, but, you know, there's another trial to see and that might change things again. And speaking of um, off to a good start, Tommy Turbo absolutely carved up the Tigers in the first half. The Seagulls running a a pretty relatively senior side in the first half of a 28-4 victory. NRL.com has him down for 133 metres from 11 runs uh, before half time. So, God, I, I am starting without him, but that certainly is not going to do much from a blood pressure. Uh, it's going to be a nightmare trying to watch him. Like, And, and I, I still stand by. Like, I see all this overreaction for people who've just seen him do that in the first half of a trial and all of a sudden go, oh, I have to get him back in my team. I'm like... That's that's what it took. <laughs> An understrength <laughs> West Tigers game. team in a yeah. trial match, yeah. Like, that's what I'm like, you know, we had a whole season of what we saw what he could do last year. Like what changed in the first half of this trial that suddenly, you know, made you think you had to put him back in? Like, nah, I, I mean, we knew this was going to be the case and he was going to be damaging. And, you know, he, he probably scored about 60, 65 in one half. And, he, he, you know, he had his some involvement there. He had a couple of tries. This I just well, well, sixty-five in one half. He'll actually lose money if that's the pace in which he's on. Yeah, if he does one hundred and thirty. <laughs> yeah. But, and look, I'll, I'll go into a little bit more in the second half of this uh, episode about why I think it's still yeah, uh, still a stay away for someone like Tommy. And you know, we'll go into that a bit more. But yeah, like I said, I just thought it was really funny that it took all of. All this chat about, yeah, you can't start with Tommy and all, he plays half, 40 minutes in a trial and all of a sudden he's back on the radar and he's, he's a must-have and all that type of stuff again. Yeah, and speaking of cheapy center wings, Oliver Gildart seems solid enough for the Tigers, although I do worry about the potential for attacking stats. He seems kind of a rock-solid player, but, but doesn't seem to have that much flair about him, which isn't particularly super coach-friendly. Um, moving on, Warriors beat the Storm. I... I didn't think that there was too much to be to be gleaned from here. Obviously, the Storm are going to have a few big name outs for round one, so beware what their round one side's going to look like. Not necessarily sure that there's much positional stuff that moved the needle as a result of the trial. I'm surprised there wasn't a Nick Meany, you know, talk up, hype up segment just then. Well, like, I mean, he, he played fullback here. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> Nick Meany's a superstar. <laughs> And, and, need and I'm assuming anymore. Paps is going to be out round one and I will be starting with Nick Meany. He's my smoky. Look, you guys can get on from round one or you can get on, you know, in a few weeks' time when, you, when you're trying to catch up. Get on the Nick Meany train, boys. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the one thing we should probably note is Xavier Coates playing left wing. I, I was surprised because he's a much more natural right winger. So we'll have to see how that goes long term. But, yeah, if he's left wing, that is a bit more interesting. I do feel the left wing will score more tries, and I don't think it was just because of Adokar. But, yeah, I've still got pretty low expectations, I think, starting out the blocks anyway. 
because he's going to need time to build combinations. And, you know, Adokai's got a lot of tries, but I do feel like a lot of it was just he knew where he needed to be because he's played with these guys for so long and he knows, you know, where Pappenhausen likes to run when he makes a break. So he's always there in support. Um, Paps knows where to find him. He he will be on the end of some of those, you know, surprise kicks early in the tackle count and they're just booting him as long as they can, you know, as far down the field as they can and they're just waiting for Adokar to outpace the opposition winger and get the ball and score. Like Xavier Coates probably won't get those types of opportunities. So, you know, that's a couple of tries off the, the season tally and, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I think Coates will be someone I look at a little bit more like later in the season. But, yeah, there's a lot of people starting with him. Well, he's definitely not as well-rounded as Nick Meany, obviously. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm happy to, to put a friendly wager, Wilf, uh, on Nick Meany having a higher average than Xavier Coates. I mean, that's pretty easy money as far as I'm concerned. I mean, is it needs to be a minimal number of games played here because I don't know how many games Nick Meany will be in first grade. <laughs> oh, wow. No, <laughs> no, that's my side of the bet, champ. I'll, I'll, I'll assume that risk. Um, I, I think Nick Meany outscores Xavier Coates. All right. We'll have to think of a, a fitting punishment for the loser on this bet, but I'll, I'll take that. Let's do it. <laughs> Easy done. All right, guys. Uh, the only other notable thing, I think, for the Warriors, I've had uh, Fanil Blake in and out of my kind of side, um, 505K. Very, very enticing value. He's uh, he's looking fit and firing. No competition for minutes to speak of, and, and he looks in mid-season form already. So every chance that he's kind of a top two or three uh, front row option at the end of the year and at 505k, that's that's a, a pretty good bargain. But all right, guys, so um, let's move on. We'll take a quick break and start doing a bit of a deep dive on some strategic stuff. This February, join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use the code CHAMPIONS for 20% off plus free shipping. The Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawn Mower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight that's bright enough to shine a light on your true love this year. Package also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer to whack all the worst of your weeds. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts, their shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs to keep your boys cool and collected. Go to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code CHAMPIONS. All right, so with, uh, I guess, a full round of trials that we've just been able to watch, I think we were able to see some things, I feel, from this the, the operation of the new rules and, and things of that nature. And I, I wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive here and look at what really happened in 2021 in terms of the truth about that season and also kind of see, well, is that going to carry over and what impact do these new rules or you know tweaks to the rules anyway uh, what 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 have we seen play out on the field in that in that regard? And obviously, I'm not trying to read too much into it. They are trials. They're you know they're played in four quarters. There's unlimited interchange. So there's a lot of things like that in there. But the impact of these penalties, uh, I think, can't be ignored entirely. So uh, I wanted to do a bit of a share on those points there. I mean, did you from from what you've been able to glean anyway? Was there anything that really stood out to you in terms of gameplay? from the trials compared to last year? I Look, 
it's a little bit of unformed thought in my head. I always thought that the pace of the game on you know, the 2021 pace was going to be absolutely unsustainable. Just that little tweak with the uh, you know the set restarts not occurring in in the defensive 40 um, going to a penalty. People, you know, the the teams were actively taking a breather and taking that opportunity to catch their breath. And and if that just slows the pace of play down by a few percentage points, I think that really kind of shaves the edge off some of the people that did go kind of supernova uh, last year. Again, I'm a big proponent of asking yourself the question, what has to go right for a player to, to replicate you know, the value that you're paying for them in round one? And I think some of the really peak players... Uh, are going to see their scores settle a little bit, particularly the outside backs, because because play will be that bit slower. I think. I think that's that's a really good point you raise about everything going right, because I'm of the opinion that even if everything goes right, there's still potential just for you know, natural regression and then the adjustment from these tweaks of the rules, and maybe even the way that the, the refs are adjudicating things, um, how that might impact things moving forward. So. I guess to, to look at that, I mean, 2021 really was just an absolute outlier of a season. I mean, the scoring, uh, not just for Supercoach, but like looking at the scores, like the Storm scored 815 points last yeah. season. <laughs> and that's insane because you look at it in the past, you know, like 2020, obviously, you know, the less games, but the Panthers and the Storm, they scored like 485, 504 you know, on a per-game basis, that's like 26.9, 28 points per game that they're scoring themselves, right? In 2021, they jumped that by a full try each, basically. Like the the Storm went from scoring 28 points a game to 34 points a game. And the, the crazy thing is that de- their defense hardly moved. So the Storm, you know, they were conceding, you know, 14.6 points per game in 2020 and they conceded 13.2 in 2021. The Panthers were conceding 10.9 in 2020 and only conceded 11.9 in 2021. So despite all the points being scored, they were doing the most of the damage and their defense was still holding up. So when you look at across the season, like every game, like there was an average of 46.3 points per game being scored between the two teams um, per game on a per game basis. And, you know, that is like four or five points ahead of every other points per game the previous years so in 2020 it was 41.7 2019 it was 39.5 2018 40.7 2017 it was 41 point yeah 41 pretty much so i get that those are different seasons different different game at times different refing and stuff like that but they're still fairly consistent you know across the four seasons prior to this and then there's a massive jump to it's basically more than a try per game more in 2021 so, you know, why is that? You can point to all sorts of reasons and we don't know exactly what the, the reason for that is. But if it is that the set restarts, you know, the coming out of their own end, the fatigue factor, all of that came into it. Maybe it's the, the crackdown that they had mid-season where, you know, we had times where it was 11 on 12, 11 on 13. That was opportunity for more points to be scored. Like all of that, you know, we're not going to know exactly what it comes down to. Now with the adjustment they made to the rules, Obviously, you know, with set restarts not likely to be given and they're, you know, coming at your own end, um, you're going to get a penalty in your own 40 instead. I think that's already playing out and, and showing a bit of a change there. So 
you know, just looking at it, in 2021, there was an average of 8.6 penalties blown per game. Uh, in 2020, that was 9.96. And then in 2019, it was 13.05, uh, sorry. So, you know, even you know, across 2019, then introduction of set restarts and then uh, the further kind of extreme version of that in 2021, it just really had that progression there. And and what's interesting is when you take into account 2021, the the fact that we did really have a, in particular, a five-round period where there was just massive crackdown, you know, rounds 10 onwards where magic round, basically, for those who remember it, that went absolutely insane. And yeah, it was really interesting from rounds one to nine, there was an average of 7.1 penalties blown per game. And then in rounds 10 to 14, it became an average of 10.9. So almost 11 penalties per game. That's almost four more per game that just jumped in there. So like, the, the, the increase was just huge. And then they still averaged out at 8.6 across the season. So I know there's a lot of numbers, but I mean, that jumps out, doesn't it? This is such a big increase. It does. So, so let's kind of bring it back to, you know, the most important question, which is what does that actually mean in practice for Supercoach? I, I guess it's expect that your, you know, your, your outlier players who had career years, that primarily through big attacking stats are going to regress to the mean, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question, isn't it? Like, I, I think if if it is that the set restarts was the reason for it, that makes a huge difference. Like, if that's the reason for the scoring, then yeah, it it, it will potentially see a regression. Well, I think I think it's fair to say, you know, that that the pace of the game was responsible for the increase in scoring and the pace of the game was primarily helped by the change in rules for the set restart, right? I mean, that's not controversial. No, I, I think that's that's true. But what's interesting, and, and I've got to give credit to um, the Rugby League eye test for this because they actually looked at time in play, what you know, how much the, the ball was actually in play because that's what the set restarts were meant to fix, right? Mm-hmm. They were meant to decrease the amount of standing around for penalties and you know increase the amount of time the ball was in play what we saw from 2020 to 2021 was actually you know, there's a massive drop in time in play for by almost two minutes so it was, it was interesting because the average time in play in 2021 apparently was almost identical to 2019 uh, 54.1 minutes per game of ball in play compared to 54.2 and in 2020 it was 55.9 so really interesting how that Know, and, and when you look at it, though, it's so the difference between 2019 is obviously that was more penalties, I imagine, and then 2021 is just you know, standing around waiting for goal kicks. Hmm. So the amount of scoring that we saw still actually didn't increase the amount of time in play for for the ball. So that would be letting letting uh, the truth get in the way of a good story, Wolf. <laughs> I guess what's interesting then, because if the penalties come back in, like does that? Actually, as you say, the pace of the play, how does that actually change things? That's that's the quick question. I, I don't know how that's going to play out. I mean, we can speculate that it probably will help because, yes, there might be more, there'll be a more gap for penalties. And, you know, every time the penalty is blown, right, you know, you know how the teams, the teams will, someone walks up, they'll go, oh, what happened there? And, and then they'll get the ball. And then one player hands it to the halfback, the halfback then kicks it. They all walk or jog to the next mark and then the defensive line has to reset and then they restart play. So there's always going to be that little kind of 30 to 45 seconds worth of 
stuff, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much nothing around. <laughs> and, you know, that's a chance for players to have a breather and they get piggybacked, you know, 20 to 30 meters down the field. And, you know, there's the argument that they'll be in more attacking areas, right? They're going to get that chance to start a new set from, you know, the 40, 50 meter line from halfway and then they might score more tries that way. But I, I do think that's outweighed by their ability to actually have catch their breath. I mean, the, the, we obviously went into detail on this last year. You know, it's not the pace of the game was not only affecting kind of player fatigue and, and their ability, you know, gaps opened up and it was attacking friendly. It also affected tackling technique. So they were, you know, tackling in dangerous positions. And then there was the crackdown so that they were often sin-binned or sent off, which then placed more fatigue, uh, you know, stress on the rest of the team, which so on and so forth. I, I think a lot of this is, is just basically around it. And we, we've seen this for years with the evolution of tackling and, and the play the ball into the wrestle and the turtling and all that kind of stuff because every second counts to catch your breath and get your defensive line set. So, you know, I think the coaches and the game itself has dictated what the most important thing is over and above field position, and that is a defensive line with guys that, that have caught their breath. Yeah, I think that does make a huge difference. Like when, you know, there's an actual reset line as opposed to, sure, there's a new set and, and they're going to be stuck down their own end, but the defenders uh, might be staggered and then not in the set line either. But so coming back to it, like obviously we got to see the penalties um, play out a little bit. And I think it's interesting because a lot of people comment in about the finals um, being refed a little bit differently to the actual season itself. So I had a look at it. And, and just across the finals, so there, there was an average of 8.9 penalties blown per game and 6.4 set restarts. So it still was higher than the season, but it wasn't substantially different. Now, I know, again, eight-game eight, eight sample size and, and, again, unlimited interchange, four quarters and, and all of that. And you can say reserve-grade players, so maybe they're, they're not as disciplined or whatever, but it's interesting, I have to say, from what we saw in the round, uh, the round of trials just gone, there's a very pretty wide swing because there were some games in the finals where there was like maybe four or five penalties blown, but there was also some where there were like 14, uh, which is a pretty big outlier. Now, in the trials just gone, the lowest number of penalties blown were eight and the highest was 15. So it averaged out to be 11.1 penalties per game and set restarts were 4.4. So, you know, there's a definite definite swing already and you know i don't think that all of it is because of penalties that occur in the opposition uh, 40 meter zone mm-hmm. i think some of it's still a bit of a not not the crackdown as such but they're still obviously you know coming down pretty hard on any contact towards the head but it's just going to be interesting to monitor this because i do think it's going to have a definite impact for you know what we kind of discussed and speculated about but i just i think it would be it would be remiss to just ignore it, if I could put it that way. Because if it does have an impact, and even if it, say, brings us back to 2020 levels of scoring, then that's a full trial to less per game. And if you look at the top attacking players, you know, it's because of the attacking stats, right? So if Tommy Turbo scores or assists one less try per game, that's huge. Yeah. It's going to be massive. Like, that's a good 20, 25 points off his average just from nothing that he does himself, nothing that his team does just from the whole NRL, basically, you know, reverting back to what we saw last year. So again, that's 
if everything still goes perfectly for Tommy and he does play at the same level he does last year, he may still only max max out as an average that is 20 to 25 points less than what he's priced at. He's half, he's half a million bucks more expensive than Teddy. My God. I mean, uh, look, the, the, the turbo argument, uh, just like the Teddy argument last offseason, everyone's kind of devoted plenty of time talking. Uh, I think all of our listeners know both sides of the argument, but ultimately, Wilf, I'm with you. Even if things go as well as they did last year for Tommy, I'm expecting at least a 20, 25 point drop off. And that's if things go as well as they possibly could. So, yeah, I mean, obviously when I was talking about the outlier players, Trebojevic is the most obvious one of them. He's not the only one. Plenty of other players had career super coach years off the back of the pace of the game and the attacking stats. I just think you really need to factor that into your thinking when you're you're kind of judging value. Yeah, and look, you know, like I said, this is all speculative, but... The, the numbers do make me concerned so far from what we've seen. And I just do think, yeah, as you say, like if there's even at 100%, you know, effectiveness as Sam's last season, he could still naturally be 20 to 25 points overs. And if there is, maybe he's only 90% of what he is from round one, like that's going to be 100 or 110 average instead. And maybe that's still perfect for him. And he's still going to be the top scoring player in the game, but losing 30 to 35 points off, you know, the price, that's huge. And money's too tight from round one. Like, uh, that's yeah. the thing. Like, you know, Turbo is the guy that you work out a way to upgrade to. You know, even if by some, you know, through some miracle he maintains his average, I think you have people that are underpriced. Pappenhausen had all the bench minutes. Uh, Teddy played in a, in a side where it seemed like he was the only, the last kind of first choice player standing for the Roosters. So, you know, they're the guys that accumulate in value. You go up to Turbo, you know, using your cash cows as well. It just, I don't know, maybe it seems too obvious to me, but, you know, that inevitably means I'll probably probably be wrong. Yeah, look, like, you know, we'll just have to see how it plays out. But I, I, I'm more and more comfortable with the no Turbo uh, rule for, for round one. And that's, yeah, even if we don't have Pappenhausen and Teddy, I'm, I'm really thinking of maybe still not starting with him, but. I don't know, still got a couple of weeks to think about that. <laughs> so, Will, plenty of in-depth chat, bit of trial stuff. Have you got anything for us uh, before we hit the road for this week? No, I think we'll just have to see. Like, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing all the, tr- the team list come out and we'll be able to work through that. Now, I do want to, you know, again, quick reminder, group code 899392. Make sure you check that out. Uh, get in there. And, you know, if you want to check us out on the, on the Patreon, it's uh, patreon.com slash supercoachchampions. And, yeah, like I said, if you join, you get uh, the opportunity to, you know, win 500 plus 500 for our group comp if that's you up the pointy end. So, yeah, if you have any questions, you can hit me up on Twitter at CatfishSC or uh, you can ask Joe, but he'll probably just ask, tell, tell, tell you to ask me anyway. Oh, bugger off. I'll answer it and I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you the truth. Unlike that Wilf bloke, he'll be, he'll be diplomatic. I'll be honest about how Nick Manny is going to drastically outscore Xavier Coates. Uh, or, and the benefit, the big, biggest benefit of the Patreon, obviously, is to, is to be part of the Discord where there's a great, you know, crew of guys and girls and, and plenty of good chat, particularly on game day. So jump in. But I think that's about all we've got for the week, Will. So, yep, looking forward to the trials and we'll do it all again next week. Catch you guys soon.